Let us turn in our Bibles to the book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, chapter 12, where I'll be reading verses 1 through 3 of chapter 12. Beginning to read then with verse 1 of chapter 12, reading from God's word. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. May God's blessing be upon this word that we've read so far. <clears throat> let me let us pray for just a moment. Our Father and our God, we pray that you would open up this part of thy word to us, that we might hear things that we've never heard before, or having heard them before, that we might be strengthened in them, and that these words, as they speak of blessing, that they might, they might indeed be a blessing unto us all according to your will. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, you've got a, a ser- an outline of the sermon in your bulletin at the bottom of the page, if, you ha- if you've got a bulletin before you. I'm beginning a new series today on God and the family. And um, I normally preach sequentially through the Bible, just taking a book. But I, I thought, I, I begin, I've meditated a bit on the idea that maybe we ought to just take some scriptures, given the assaults on the family and the confused, cultural confusion that we see in our midst, that maybe I ought to take some scriptures and just ask specifically what messages these scriptures have for our families. Because there, there are, there's so much in the Bible that is intended for the family, and, and when we preach sequentially, we we just take a broader focus on each text. In this case, I'm going to avoid some of the the thrusts of this text, some of the themes of the text, um, because certainly um, Abraham is, is when we get to the New Testament, Abraham is uh, held up as a feature for the doctrine of justification by faith alone. And uh, so you can read these texts, and when you ask different questions of them, the the Bible is so rich, and the text of Scripture is so rich, that you could preach for hours on any given text. And uh, so uh, you can focus somewhat, without doing injustice to the text, you can focus on different themes that are brought out, and you focus on one theme one one time in a series, and another, another theme in another series without doing injustice to the text. And so that's what I, that's my plan here, to look at the text of Scripture and to try to see what does this have to say to our, fam- our families. Each of our families is at a different stage of its evolution or its progress or its journey, its pilgrimage, you could say. Each of our families is at different stages. And um, where there's always room to grow, there's, a, there's always room to consider what hath God said to us as a family, today, in this time, with what we're going through. And sometimes the children will, will think, they'll, they'll hear a sermon, they'll think, wow, our, our family is going through something like that, or our family has been thinking about that, or our family 
needs to be challenged by this or that. Sometimes it's a husband or a wife. As we think about these things, we'll think, you know, I should have, as a husband, I should have been bringing out this to my family recently. And so I'm going to start doing that. Or a wife might prod her husband and say, did you hear that? Maybe we could think a little bit more about that on the level of our family devotions or something like that. So that's the, the, the focus here. I've been just thinking our, our poor families are really under assault. And we can consider the general themes of the faith, and that's helpful, but it's, it might also be helpful to just focus a little bit more on our families and the, the family phenomena, the, the psychology of the family as, we're, as the Lord is dealing with us. And so I wanted to do it. Now, having said that, I th- the obvious question is, well, do you start with Genesis 1, with the first family? And I thought, you know, we, we just did a series on that a couple of years ago. And um, I think I'd really like to start with, uh, Je- with uh, um, Abraham's family, because he is, uh, as you go work your way through the Bible, Abraham is the first family that really is focused on, there's just so much information given about that and about not so much the principles of the family, which you get with, with Adam and Eve, but with some of the twists and turns of the family. Next week, well, almost immediately, we'll be dealing with Abraham. The father uh, lies or dissembles about his wife, Sari, to the king of Egypt. Because in chapter 12, right away, you're, you're, you're involved with, in his pilgrimage to Canaan, you're involved with some of the difficulties that happen, some of the problems that happen. They're, they're taken to Egypt for a short time. And um, right away, the father is pressed against the wall, and he makes a, he makes a big mistake. And it, it, can, it could be calamitous, but God is with them through that. So we'll be getting into that right away in the, with the family of Abraham. So uh, this first point, these first three verses, I, I was tempted to, to use more verses than this too. But these three first verses have more than enough to deal with in terms of some of the foundations of the family uh, and some of the lessons that Abraham learned right away as God worked with his family. And so we're going to be looking at that uh, today, and I hope you'll really enjoy that. Now, the first first two numbers here, one and two, kind of run together. I separated them out just for the sake of of, uh, number two, but um, the basic idea is that uh, Abraham was about to be taken on a fantastic pilgrimage of faith that he really didn't understand when he began. In verse verse 1 and 2, or verse 1, just introduces that. It just drops this, what happened to Abraham. Abraham was part of a larger family, and in chapter 11, toward the end, it talks about Terah, his father, and uh, what happened when he, there were other people in the family, and uh, what, what it shows is that God determined to work with just one part of his larger family, his part. And you might say, well, if you were writing up, writing up a scenario of this for God, you would say, well, you know, if he's, God is going to start working with Abraham's family, he should make Abraham's family kind of like he did with Joseph. You know, Joseph had 12 children, or the 12 sons. He had daughters, too. And so if God is going to work with a family, he should, he should make uh, the wife just really super fertile and 
produce all of these children. That's the way to get a family going. And what we see with, with Abraham here is the very opposite. We'll see next week where Sari is infertile. She's sterile. She cannot have children. Well, you say to yourself, God, if you're trying to teach you something about the family, how can you do it? How can you? This is counterintuitive. It's completely opposite to what we might think. God's ways are not our ways. And God does things differently. And, and everything that God does works out perfectly. Abraham and Sari became the perfect mother and father for the whole family of Israel. Even though they started out with everything going in the opposite direction. You may feel in your family that things are going in the opposite direction. God, if you if you want us to really be a healthy family, why don't you do this, 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 this? And God's doing it completely differently than you might expect. God's ways are not our ways. We see, we see from the Bible that God loves the family. We see in Psalm 127 and 128 that God loves the family. But his ways are not our ways. Um, Susan and I wanted a much bigger family than we had. But it didn't work out that way, uh, physiologically for us, for Susan. And uh, and it turns out that the, the children God gave, you know, some, some families have uh, 12 children, 15 children, 20 children, and uh, they only have one winner out of the family, you know. Everybody, everybody else are black sheep, you know. But... Uh, so, uh, you know, in our family, we, uh, we see how God's wisdom has blessed us. And, um, you know, one, one of our children is here in the uh, church as a deacon in the church. And another one is up in Michigan serving as a, uh, an elder deacon in a Reformed Baptist church. And uh, but God's ways are, they, they're just not always the way we think that they should be. So how does this start? Well, we see in, in uh, Genesis 12 here that... <clears throat> It says, now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. So right away, we have the first three points of the sermon here in, in this first verse. Uh, the first thing we see is that Abraham was kind of cruising along. He had kind of a somewhat of a typical family. We believe, we intuit a lot of this thing, we, these things. They're not, they're not exhaustively explained. But we know that Adam's family came from the family of Noah. After the flood, after the world had been wiped out by the flood, uh, Noah and his wife began to populate the earth again for the second time. Terah and, and, and Abraham's family come from this, this second start of the world's population. But uh, we, 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 we believe, there's not a lot of Bible instruction on this, but we believe that, he, that Abraham came from a family that was more spiritually concerned, that uh, Nahor and Terah, uh, these other um, uh, relations that he had, that they were, that they were um, more spiritually alert than the average people were on the earth at that time. But, what we see here from God's, when God does, is God takes Abraham's family and basically takes them to boot camp. Like a soldier would go from civilian life to a boot camp, and then he'd learn how to be a soldier. God basically does that with Abraham's family. 
And he takes Abraham from being a father who would be so intimidated by life that he would lie about his wife being his sister. He takes Abraham from being that kind of a man to being a real father of the faith who who stood uh, like a great patriarch over Isaac and Jacob and their families and became a kind of super father for the whole family of faith. And God did, God did this in stages and steps. And what, we, what we're looking at today is one of the, the first great stage in Abraham's life. Ab- he's called Ab- Abraham right here. And he's not even called Abraham. Uh, but we see <clears throat> from this that uh, God, as, fa- as important as the family is, and right today we are struggling to maintain our families, family fidelity, family faith, and that kind of thing. As great as our families are, and as much as we need to focus on our families, one of the secrets of this text is that God, the existence of God, God eclipses our families. You know, when there's an eclipse of the sun, the, the earth or the moon obscure the sun, and so the earth gets dark because of that. That means that in terms of light, there's something more important than the sun. The sun and its normal activity is changed by the interposition of either the earth or the moon for an eclipse. And all of a sudden the earth can become darkened or totally dark if you have a total eclipse of the sun, a total lunar eclipse or a total um, earthly eclipse of the sun. And and, uh, these things can, can really radically alter the way that life goes. Well, this shows us, you see, that that. In terms of the family, God is really, really important. And uh, we, don't, we don't know these things naturally or intuitively because of the fall of mankind into sin. So we, we learn these things by the movement of the Spirit or by seeing it in God's Word and that sort of thing. And in Abraham's day, they, they had scrolls. They, we believe that they had scrolls of, of, of revelation from Adam and Eve and from Noah who were the great prophets before that time, but um, we, 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 they definitely did not have as much as we have today in our Bibles. And uh, because our Bibles are based on some of these early scrolls, the, uh, the Moses collected a lot of these things and put them into the, the, the first five books of Moses. But um, we don't know a whole lot about that. We, we, we suppose a lot based on what we read, but... We don't know it for sure. What we have in the Bible is what we know for sure. And so, but uh, we know here that God um, had new plans for this family. And so it began by him speaking to Abram. And that's point two. First of all, we want to get the point down that God is, God is so, uh, God is so divine. He is so great and so different that we, we, we cannot consider our families outside the, uh, in the influence of the Lord, number one. Number two, we see that God spoke a word to Abraham. And uh, this is not normal. God does not, <clears throat> God's spirit may move in our lives. God may push us this way or that way by his spirit, give us ideas that we ought to do this or do that. But we don't know for sure. It's not like God speaking to us. But in this case, God began a process, uh, or well, he continued a process where he'd spoken to Adam and he'd spoken to uh, Noah 
they were the great prophets before this, but he made it, he made Abraham a prophet. He spoke words to, to Abraham and told him what he wanted them to do. And based upon that, those words, Abraham leaves a, a deposit of information for us today, for our families. As God led his family, he would lead us. And so it says, now the Lord had said to Abraham, get out of your country, go from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Now, um, this is the, what we see is that Abraham's life was radically altered. And that the genesis or the cause of this altering was the word of God. And that's really important. And it's important today that your family be affected or uh, your, your family is uh, interfered with by the word of God. We can, we can talk about that theologically, but it's a very simple thing. God speaks to us. God directs us by his word. And if your family is not affected by the word of God, then your family is kind of in trouble. Your family is um, deprived of the information that God would have your family to have. So the word of God is very important. Now, number three, based upon what God says here, God gives these, these counterintuitive commands. Like I, like I said at the beginning of the sermon, if we were going to set up a plan for our families, we might lay it out A, B, C, and D, but we see God, how God, at least for Abraham, did it just the opposite. But think of these, think of these commands in terms of the family and the development of the family. God says, get out of your country, uh, get out of, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. So God says, I'm going to work, I'm going to do new things with this family, and I'm going to begin by separating you from everything that's familiar. I think most of us would say, that's crazy. I mean, when we're working on families today, we talk, we try to build up the, the continuity between our modern families and before our families before. We say, well, you know, your grandfather was like this. Your grandmother was like this. And so, in as much as they were good examples, they, they should be good examples for us today. Or we say our grandfather, you know, our uh, grandpa so-and-so was in jail. Our grand, grandfather did this or did that was negative. And we don't we see that that really hurt the family 200 years ago. We don't want to do that. We want to be different. We want to, we want to do a different thing. And uh, <clears throat> in our family, the Canodals, we, I had an uncle that was re renowned from having, a, from having a bad temper. And my mother and father, they learned that from there. His father, his father was a hardworking man. He was not an evangelical, though. And so we talk about that in our family. We say, you know, Grandma and Grandpa Canodal uh, were were steady in many ways. They belonged to an Episcopal church, but they were not. The, they did not regale their children with uh, talk about the gospel and the role of Jesus Christ. So they they had a religion, but it was uh, it was only up to a certain level, and it's somewhat questionable. We've had conversations, longer conversations, with some of the aunts and the uncles about this. About, about the family and how it developed. So you can, you can talk about that. But in this case, God, when working with Abraham's family, he says, I'm going to, I'm going to develop you in a new way. 
I'm going to develop you by separating you from all of the things that you were used to. So you know how it's fun to go to Thanksgiving meals or have celebrations like this where you you can say, oh, I remember this or that from going to that meal from with Uncle so-and-so or Aunt, Aunt so-and-so, and uh, we remember these stories. Well, God separate, he, I mean, the way God pushed Abraham forward and pushed this whole family forward was by separating them. Now, you know, they started out, it talks about Ur of the Chaldees in chapter 11, then it talks about um, um, Haran, where even before God spoke to Abraham in this case, the family was moving from Ur of Chaldees to Haran, which is, I think it's about 100, uh, no, about 250 miles. Uh, you start out in the in the east of where Assyria and Babylon, where they, they, they had their headquarters, you move west about 250 miles to Ur, uh, Ur of the Chaldees. And uh, so that's quite a move there. They were all, Terah, his father, was already doing that. We don't know anything about that. It sounds like maybe the Holy Spirit was just influencing him to make this move based upon the, circum, the outward circumstances that they saw in their world at that time. But while they're in Ur of, Chaldee, of Chaldees, God says to Abraham, I'm going to move you further. Now, he doesn't tell him, he tells him he's going to take him to Canaan, but he just doesn't tell him where that is or how far that is. Abraham didn't know, they, they didn't have uh, maps in those days. Uh, so God simply starts to lead him in a, in a westerly direction. Um, you, they have to move another about 250 miles from Ur of Chaldees, west and southwest, to get to northern Israel, and then you've got to move another 100 miles to get to where they ended up in Shechem, uh, and near Bethel, south of Jerusalem. Uh, and, and that was before Jerusalem was even called Jerusalem. It was a long time ago. So God is moving them, but they didn't know where they were going. It was totally different. They were, they were, he, God was separating them from family. The, they, they, there was hardly any human interaction between Abraham and his old family after they did this move. A couple times they went back for, for wives, but there was very little human interaction. So this was, a, this was an earth-shaking move. It was like missionaries that would go from America to India or something like that on a ship, and they'd never see their families again. Why would God do something like this in order to get their attention? But that's exactly what he did. And so he says he's going to separate them from their family, from their father's house, and go to a new, a brand new land that he would show him. And, um, and so these were tremendous upheavals. Uh, and you think about yourself, your, um, Abraham, while Abraham and Sarah didn't have young children at that time, some of their party did. They had a pretty large party. It was made up of, of, of people that had sold themselves into slavery in Abraham's family. And then other people, Abraham was a very wise man, even at this time. He was a kind of an aristocratic man. He had a lot of money. He had a lot of wealth. And so there were people that worked for Abraham, that worked for him in his agricultural empire, you might say. And so God was saying to Abraham, I'm going to move you the whole kit and caboodle, hundreds and hundreds of miles. Uh, if you go, to go up to Toledo, Ohio from here, that's about, I think, 150 miles. And to go to Cleveland is about 250 miles northeast. So one of these sections would have been equivalent to that move. 
And when I go up to New York, when I go up and stay with Gary and Wendy, that's about uh, 600 miles. That's that's more like what Abraham's venture was, was done on the base of. But this was before automobiles. We can make that trip in a day if we kill ourselves. Um, but uh, Abraham was doing this. They were walking. I thought, this is like the, the Appalachian Trail, except it's about halfway. On, the Appalachian Trail is a little more than 2,000 miles from southern Georgia up to Maine, and you, you take this gigantic hike up on the peaks of the Appalachians, and people, people, this is a very popular thing to do these days, but it takes you all summer to do that. And that's with people that are able to make that, they're pretty athletically, um, they're doing pretty well athletically and, and medically and physically. But Abraham and his little they had children with them, they had... Uh, uh, oxen and, and sheep and cattle and things like this, and so it was a very slow-moving operation that they that they got caught up in here. But God was doing this to to make a new family out of them, to change them. The point was that He was He was talking to them, He was telling them what they should do, and then it was up to them to respond. I I, I, I take the women in the church here. What if your husband came home and he said, "Okay, honey." God talked to me, and we're gonna we're gonna make this move. It's gonna take us maybe a year to make this move, or six months at least to make this move. And we're gonna go, uh, you know, we're, and we don't know exactly where we're gonna go, but we're gonna go, and um, and God is gonna show us a new way of life. Now, you, as a wife, all the women here start thinking about that. How do I respond to my husband's new ideas? I can see a lot of tension right away. <laughs> I go, are you crazy? <laughs> where, where, where are we going? Show me on a map. You know, you have a thousand questions. It was part of Abraham's blessing that he and Sarah had it enough together that they could do this, <laughs> and uh, they did it. And yet, God was working with them. He was using this these outward means to make these spiritual changes upon them and to bring them into a, a place of greater maturity. Because God in verse 2 says, I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and, and you shall be a blessing. And he says later that he would, be, he would be such a blessing that all the families of the earth would be blessed. Can you imagine? Can you imagine these kinds of promises being given to you at the, uh, at the, um, in order, and in order to do that, obtain that, you have to leave everything that you knew, everything that was f familiar. Do you know how much psychological strength we get from familiarity? They, they say when you move, you, when you make a move, they say that physiologically, like you move even a hundred miles, that it takes you a whole year for your body to process that, that you're you're more vulnerable to colds and viruses and diseases for the for at least a year, because your whole world is turned upside down because of the physiology of leaving one place and going to another. We are creatures of habit. We we much of our security, our just our fundamental human security comes from the familiar things in our lives. And so God, God knew this, 
And God was taking this family of antiquity and taking them from area A to area B to area C because he had a plan. And almost everything that we have in the Bible is a result of this plan, the pilgrimage of Abraham, and then what developed from that. It's just really an amazing thing. So <clears throat> now the, um, the, the greatest promise here in verse 3 is that all the families of the earth would be blessed. We still are not to the place where all the families of the earth have bowed the knee or confessed with their tongue that Jesus is Lord. Those are one of the promises that we get in the Bible, in the Old Testament, and then it's repeated again in Philippians. Every, every, every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that Jesus is Lord. Now, we don't know all the particulars of that, but that's what God says to us. When people are, when people, when people argue about millennial theories, argue about how good things are going to get, they argue about this and they argue about that. I don't, I can't answer all their questions, but I, I do see that in the big picture, God says that before the second coming, at some point in human history, that we'll reach this place where there is no, there are there are there is not this huge debate about the relevance of Christianity or the truth of Christianity. Uh, there are not, there will not be the, there will not be a situation where the nations of the world will be at, at blogger ends with each other or ready to assault each other in war. The Bible says that in the end that all nations will fly the flags of Jehovah God. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us, pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not, not wait until heaven for all things to be reconciled, but on earth. So there are these tremendous promises that are made to us from God that we can hang our hopes on. And one of the keys to this whole process is the outworking of God's blessings on this single family of Abraham and Sarah. Uh, it's just it's just an amazing, amazing story. Um, Matthew 5, 5 says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Well, who are the meek except for Abraham and Sarah? So it, when we jump in on this family and their, their, their progression or their evolution or their pilgrimage that they make, uh, we see that what God does with them and their kids is going to affect world history in a, a tremendous way. And every Christian church that stands today is the, is the recipients of the blessings to this family. If this family had put themselves ahead of the Lord, if they had refused to hear the Lord, if God had spoken them, but, but Abraham said, are you crazy, God? I'm not going to do this. Or Sarah had said, I don't care how much this, this man tells me to do this. I'm not going to do this. Or I'll, I'll, I'll do this. I'll do this outwardly, but not inwardly. Then we, he may get us a hundred miles, but after that, I'm going to make such a mess of our situation that he's going to want to come back to Ur. See, they didn't do that. They got it together on the family level to work for the Lord. The Bible says in Psalm 87, verse 2, the Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. 
Psalm 87, 2. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. We know God loves the dwellings of Jacob. We know God loves Christian families. We know God loves families of faith. But as much as God loves all the families of faith, he loves the gates of Zion more than that. In other words, which is more important? Our families or the gates of Zion? Ultimately, it's the gates of Zion. What, 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 what is represented in the gates of Zion? Well, the temple was there. We see that as the church. And then the, the, where, the, where the church was in that day in the ancient world, there were the families of God. Uh, Jerusalem, Zion. And so um, we see this as the civilization that was founded upon or around the temple of God, around the knowledge of God. So God has big ideas. God has, a, God has a, an idea about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven here upon the earth. And he gets that going by founding a stable church and by founding families that have this perspective about them. And if we can have this kind of mentality, then we can go forward. As important as your family is, there's something more important. The kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all that that's involved with that. And, and and God will make your way straight. He will bless you. And God showed Abraham and, and Sarah something about this that we're going to be learning more about as we go forward. And uh, ultimately, from Abraham's loins come this child, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we pray that you would... Help our families today. In many ways, we feel like our families are being crushed by the paganism around us and by magistrates and kings and queens and presidents, county boards that seem to have no interest at all in thy spirit or in thy kingdom. And we pray, O oh Lord, that you would help us in the midst of these days, help us to survive. We can see that Abraham and his family, if when it comes to alienation, being driven off of your foundations, there was nobody that was affected as much as Abraham and Sarah. But we see the success of your plans, O oh Lord. And we praise your name. We, we today are recipients of the gospel because of this family and their faithfulness. Bless us, O Lord, in thy power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.